Welcome to the Intelligence Download, a podcast from BAE Systems. I'm Ben Tudor. Today we're looking at the future cyber threats to the world's financial infrastructure, as detailed in a joint report by SWIFT, the global provider of secure financial messaging services, and BAE Systems. It's called the Evolving Advanced Cyber Threat to Financial Markets. I'm joined today by Karel de Knief, Chief Security Officer at SWIFT, and Suho, Cyber Security Consultant at BAE Systems and author of the report. Uh, welcome, Karel. Welcome, Sue. Um, I suppose first question is for the uninitiated, uh, if you could possibly uh, describe between you some of the major trends that have come over the years. Um, for example, if we're looking as far back as something like Carbonac, that was an attack on individual uh, consumer bank accounts. Um, things have moved on significantly since then, and there's now uh, more attacks uh, aimed at different parts of the financial um, system around the world. Yeah, uh, I can certainly uh, start by giving uh, an answer to this. Um, I, I think the evolution, I mean, you mentioned Karbanak, uh, and I mean, Karbanak and others uh, have clearly uh, moved on in, in, into the banking industry and, and looking at more the, the payment systems. I mean, that's, I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the heist that happened in uh, early 2016, which we got involved with, uh, with our community. Uh, and what we've seen is that these organized crime units are really evolving their techniques. I mean, they started, uh, we would almost say opportunistically. I mean, that's wh where they were before. Uh, and they start investing a lot of time. Uh, one of the things that we've seen, if you look at the latest evolution, is that they're even uh, collaborating. I mean, one of the things we've noticed over the last year is that you could see that several organized crime units are kind of, one might be compromising an institution and might be potentially selling that compromise to another uh, crime unit uh, to then go further into their attack. Oh, I couldn't agree more. You can see it's, um, you know, the theme of this is is evolution. They they get better as, def you know, and, and it's like in any kind of classic um, uh, adversarial scenario, as, as the defences get better, the attackers get better. And that's from the days of when it was just, as Carol says, opportunistic uh, banking Trojans all the way through to the, the more sophisticated attacks we see now. Um, what I think uh, is, is coming through is um, it isn't solely technology. It's not solely an IT or a technology problem. What strikes me about um, the evolution of, of attack is that, is that they, the attackers invest the time and effort to, to really understand the market and the business practices. Um, you don't start, I believe, these attacks or from the point of view of um, a, a technical vulnerability. You start by understanding market practices, um, human psychology, the way the financial system works. And from there, when you've identified the vulnerability in the system, in the process, whether that's one-way trust relationships or uh, inherent market practices like delivery for your payment, then you can start to think, okay, what, what can I do to exploit this? Whether it's, um, you know, uh, phishing, but phishing is just a confidence trick. It's working backwards from knowing the business processes, the market practices to such a great extent, better perhaps than even people in the market understand. It's knowing that and then thinking, okay, I can exploit this. And part of that exploit path is 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 cyber and technology. But I, but I do think it doesn't start from cyber and technology. It starts with a, a really good in-depth understanding of, of, of the way the world works. And, and, and that's... That is absolutely critical, and I think that's where um, 
that everyone has to focus more on is, is you know, don't treat it as just a technology problem. Think of your market, think of your ways of working, and think like the attacker. How would they exploit this to for their gain? Yeah, I, I guess the other thing around it as well is that the investment sometimes is justified by the potential return. If you're compromising maybe ten thousand small, you know, sort of end users' bank accounts, you know, if you're if you're comp making a compromise and maybe getting away with a hundred thousand um, dollars, the investment you make will be very different from one where you might compromise an entire. Uh, market or an entire system and, and get away potentially with with millions or billions of dollars I think it's a bit like uh, looking at this as a business I mean they run this as a business I mean it's about the investment the cost they have to put into this the gains the revenue the risk that's associated with it so look at looking at all these elements I mean that that's how they run their business plan uh, and I think to also get to what you were saying on how they are studying more the practices. I mean, that's also where the answer is, I think, on, on the defense side. I mean, it's not only about technology, it's about studying their market. I mean, and that's what we do at Swift. I mean, whatever, whenever we see things happening, we look into what are their behaviors, what are their techniques, uh, because it's really in getting into their processes that you are able to identify them uh, and catch them before they are able to do harm. Absolutely. I'm glad that, that, that you picked up on that point, Ben, actually, because um, the way I treated this, this report, this study was exactly like a, exactly as a business case. I was thinking, well, if we all think of APTs almost as these mythical things that they've, they've got incredible resources and incredible people, and, and I'm sure they have a lot of resources, time and effort. But on a more mundane level, they will have to justify to their superiors, what, where do we invest this incredible time and effort? And as mundane as it sounds, they will be doing a business case analysis. And so the, the report identified factors that I thought, well, it's a bit like investment. Where do you put your money? I want low risk. I want maximize my return. And, and, and that's the theme of, um, you know, they've moved from, the attacks have moved from, uh, you know, almost uh, you know, a shotgun approach of targeting lots of end customers, which gets you, um, you know, small reward to, well, target bigger infrastructures, go for the bigger reward. Okay, there's higher risk but there's higher reward there. And, 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 and that was the, the, the approach taken with the report. So it was very much like a business case. I always found it an interesting thought that there are people within APTs who have to justify and produce yeah. a business case to attack a target. And if you look at the, the, the cost side, although they are getting more and more highly sophisticated, but I would almost say it's more in the, the, the process side and how they go about things. If you look at the technology they use, we still see a lot of very basic tools being used and reused. Um, so, so even in the way these compromises from a technical perspective are done, sometimes it's very mundane things you can, you can get off the shelf, uh, which are being used by these highly sophisticated uh, organizations. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, um, and to some extent, uh, you know, the using zero-day exploits, it, it's a case, it, it gives the game away to some extent because it's almost like a fingerprint if you use a very sophisticated attack. It tells, it tells the victim, it tells the defenders, well, this must have, you know, it starts to point towards certain threat actor groups. So they, they, they want to ha attack using well-known vulnerabilities in a way so that, so that it becomes harder to discern who the, who the attackers are. Um, and, you know, an, an interesting point I've been thinking about in, in terms of threat intelligence is uh, threat intelligence tends to look at what has happened. It looks at technical factors. It looks at what has happened. Um, and, and as I think a point that you raised earlier, uh, to, it's more important to understand 
the way they think, the way the attackers think, because um, threat intelligence will tell you what's happened. It's not going to necessarily tell you where they're going to go next. You know, that's always a, a difficult leap of the imagination. And the only way to do that is to try and think, get into their mindset and think exactly well, where, where is there the next opportunity? It's, almost, it's the investment case again, is where should I invest my time, effort and, and, and money to get the most return? And if you think like that, yes, there's a risk that you might miss the target, but it, it's the only thing you can do to try and get ahead of what they're doing. Otherwise, you're constantly just reacting and you're never able to, get to, to try and keep up with, with, with where the attacks are going. Indeed. I mean, I, I think that's what I mean in the whole threat intelligence. I mean, it's looking at the threats that are, that are out there, the actual threats, because you can do a very theoretical approach on vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Uh, but in the end, you need to look at yeah, what are my assets at risk, uh, what are the threats versus those, and how you can protect against those. Uh, I think one of the things which are happening uh, in many geographies, uh, certainly also in Europe, is some red team, blue team exercises, yeah. uh, where you're going to not look at what happened, but where you have like ethical hackers uh, red teaming, uh, and you're going to test your infrastructure versus a yeah, known, unknown uh, threat. Um, so, so at least you have control but you're testing your prevention capabilities, your detection capabilities, and your response capabilities as well. And I guess there's also this, this sort of issue that these threats haven't disappeared. You know, attacks like Carbonac or, 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 or software like Carbonac is still out there. It's still uh, nibbling away and sort of you know, snapping at the heels of all these financial institutions, but the, the threat surface seems to have expanded of late. I mean, you talk about attacks on financial markets, so it's not necessarily just an individual financial institution that needs to worry about being compromised. It's possibly also a market or a specific industry or sector. Um, how do you find that that's, you know, should financial sector organizations be concerned about attacks on whole markets? Um, I think the short answer is yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you were hoping on a no. Um, uh, I, I mean, I think, well, first of all, it's financial. Um, so I think the threat will always be there. I mean, it's, I mean, if, Organized crime is going, to, I mean, there, there's other threats than purely the financial one. There's market disruption and other uh, things, which I think certainly if you talk about financial markets, I think market disruption, uh, not only for the stealing the money, is certainly a, an important threat scenario to consider. Uh, but, I mean, the fact that there is money, and I think certainly in the financial services industry, it's an interconnected industry, uh, which by nature makes it a very... Uh, I wouldn't say easy target, but a very attractive target. Because if you're in an industry where you can, it's more physical, you're, you're a consumer goods. I mean, you, you, you can close off. I mean, you're pro producing a physical product. It's easy to close off from an IT perspective, your infrastructure. But the financial services industry, it's about you have to have a relationship with your customers. You have a relationship with your counterparties. And nowadays, that's, it's no longer with going to a common place and exchanging records uh, as it used to be 50 years ago. Uh, when you did reconciliation of accounts. Uh, now that's all happening in concentrated systems where you have clearing and settlement. Um, so so it's, it makes it very attractive, yes. Yeah, and I guess there's also I mean, certain elements, and sort of looking into this and reading through Sue's report just before, this, uh, before we got together, there's certain elements of markets where things are slightly anachronistic. They, they operate on trust and a handshake or, you know, one person saying yes to, to an, you know, yes and no rather than any kind of attestation. So. I think the and, and and because I think we have to bear in mind, obviously, um, these markets they're 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 very often they're very mature. You know, they they were never designed from the ground up to be, 
you know, to, to make sure everything was absolutely secure. They're there to facilitate economic activity. You know, so, so that's the primary thing. It, it, it starts from that perspective. And, um, uh, you know, a, a, but obviously the threat, the cyber threat has overtaken, has overtaken this as it has in a lot of areas of life, that, that what was safe and sound 10 years ago is no longer safe and sound. Um, we're, we're, we know that the threat moves very quickly, but the market doesn't necessarily. Um, and we think of markets as sometimes very sophisticated uh, things. They, they, in some instances, they're not. You know, markets, for example, uh, you know, I used to work as an information security officer for a major oil company, and it always surprised me that the um, that the European oil trading market at one point was Yahoo Instant Messenger. That was the market. It was. It, it happened to be the mechanism they used, and the only reason they moved off that was uh, because Yahoo stopped supporting the Instant Messenger client. So, so it, 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 it's a great example of where you know um, people people the, the market has always been there. You know, it was it started as an open cry forum in a stock exchange, and then it moved on to phones, and then it moved on to well, there's this great instant messaging product that allows us to 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 make bids and offers and counter offers. Um, tech, you know, people traders adopt, adopted technology. Um, because it was expedient, because it got the job done, because it enabled them to work and trade and to gain, um, you know, advantage. However, none of that was designed with security from the ground up. And obviously, threat actors have over time become aware of these kinds of things and, uh, and are starting to take advantage. Well, they have been taking advantage for a while. Well, I think that's the... You can clearly see how, you know, the, the, uh, how you know, technology and, and disruption... Uh, and, and, and increasing sophistication in the attack in the attack space uh, is is giving them all this opportunity to go after in in, in markets. Well, I, I think I mean to to go on this the opportunity of the uh, all these participants in the markets. I think it's also an advantage to the industry. I mean, if you look at Swift, I mean we're a community over eleven thousand uh, participants, uh, and it's a standardized network. So I think, I mean. Security is built into what we do. So, I mean, you mentioned the trust. So, so yes, I mean, you have to trust up to a certain limit, but let's not forget that inherently the, the basis of trust is a cornerstone of the security you have there. I mean, it, I, wouldn't, I mean if it wouldn't be there, it would be worse. Uh, and so it's something that you, sh you should still, on both of the trust, have all the other mechanisms in place to do your fraud detection and things like that. But, I mean, it is a major building block. I mean, the fact that you have a secure way of working together, a standardized way, allows you to have much more detection capabilities. So the, the more it gets into the Yahoo Messenger and unstructured, then it gets much more difficult. But if you get into structured, known things, then it's much more, much easier to detect outliers and, and to see where it goes wrong. Um, no, absolutely. I, I, that was, um, I wrestled with that particular point. So it was one of the factors in my report was uh, around standardization. And you, it's a double-edged sword. In, you know, in one sense, you say, well, standardization, as you said, Carol, it, it improves the situation because it's easier to detect anomalous activity when you standardize what you're doing. On the flip side, um, there's, a, there's, there's the risk that people, because it's come through a in a standardized way, they simply accept it at face value. And, and that, that was the counterpoint. And on balance, I came down on the side of, I would rather have standardization because I'd rather be able to see, have something that gives me, that, that where, where anomalous, anomalous activity is an outlier, you know, and, and it's a bit, it's more of a question of education and, and, and maturity to deal with people just accepting things at face value 
I'd rather have the standardization. Than I agree. I mean, I believe it's a prerequisite to kind of build on in, instead of kind of, yeah. But I mean, it creates opportunities on both sides. I mean, uh, I think in your report, you talked about uh, one of the elements you looked at is how you can portability. I mean, how you can go from reuse one technique onto another one. So standardizing, you could say it, it helps. Uh, but then again, you still have the business processes because it's, I mean, there's the technology of how do you communicate with each other. But still, certainly in the financial services industry, it's about two counterparties. I mean, you run a business. I mean, you have to build the technology is not only where you build the trust. Uh, one of the things we've been looking at in our uh, customer security program that we have at Swift with our community is a control framework. Uh, and a control framework is, first of all, it allows all the participants to kind of have a certain baseline on, on where we believe they should be. But more importantly, we've created a mechanism where they can share that with the counterparties. Because, I mean, not everybody needs to be at the same level, but it's to the correspondent, uh, the, the person you're working or the institution you're working with, it's important to do it in a risk-based approach. So to understand what is the cyber maturity level of the other party, and then based on that, have some risk mitigation uh, that you can put in place by having, for example, uh, more uh, filters or more stringent uh, fraud detection techniques. Um, so it, it's really about understanding the counterparty, like you would do in normal business. Uh, I mean, if you start working with somebody in a normal business for the first time, you wouldn't have the trust, even if you had done a handshake, which is you both you know each other's names. You still want to kind of get to know the other person and understand what they're doing. And I think the same goes on the technology side, where, yes, you have the handshake and you get to know each other, but you still want to understand what's the maturity of their side, can I trust them, and build that relationship. That's true. I think trust is the it is the foundation of it. Um, I suppose the the difficulty in you know in the in an IT enabled world and and especially with with the likes of uh, fintechs uh, disrupting uh, the financial services industry initiatives like open banking in that is that it it, it introduces almost like this um, opacity between people because you're you're just dealing with an API or you're just dealing with an electronic message of some kind and and it's like well how do you in the old days, yes, you physically saw someone, you could, you know, you, you shook their hands, you knew who they were, and there's a degree of trust there. But when communication and interaction is, is, is simply, there's an electronic signal or a message that goes back and forth, then it's very, that, the trouble is obviously that, that can be faked. Or you can, co you know, uh, dupe someone into sending that message. And how do you know it was intended? I think that, that those are the kind of, those are the challenges that everyone's going to be dealing with going forward. Talking to uh, Gareth Evans in our financial solutions team the other day, and he mentioned, you know, the, the interesting about PSD2 is that many banks are technically compliant, but we've yet to see the first fraud. And when we do, that's going to be absolutely fascinating. The, the you know, the, the, the fraudsters, the criminals are going to be looking at PSD2 and open banking generally, and, and trying to work out where the opportunities are, mm. um, and you know, their their, their creativity. I, I don't want to sound like I'm admiring them, but their creativity is going to be quite interesting to see when this this appears. Yes, it's, um, in some respects, it's it's a shame they don't work work on the side of, on the side of good. You know, they they, they, they understand opportunity and they understand uh, businesses and the way they work almost better than the business analysts that we employ. They know they come at it from that point of that that viewpoint of how can I exploit it. Um, they have to start with understanding exactly what what they can exploit. So just going back to the report um, uh, for a moment and looking at specific markets, I think that the report calls out uh, or or talks about specific um, risks to specific elements of of, uh, of the sort of financial 
infrastructure. Mm. Um, how did um, Swift and BA Systems uh, come to this conclusion? How did you, you reach an assessment of, of the various different markets and what sort of vulnerabilities or what concerns do you have? Well, we, um, we, we, we started from this premise of, well, where do we think that um, the, the threat is going? Where do we think it's evolving? Okay, the financial markets. Which, which financial markets? So the, the four that we picked are the ones that, um, you know, SWIFT has a, a lot of interest in banking and payments, FX, trade, trade finance, and I've forgotten the other one off the top of my head. It'll come to me in a minute. Um, but it, 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 it felt that, okay, if the, these four markets between them represent you know, the, the vast majority of, of financial market activity in the world, so those were the ones that we picked. And, um, and it's ones that obviously SWIFT has a lot of expertise in, which was an, another point. We wanted to, to pick markets where um, we have, under, you know, we have a, under, an interest in understanding and expertise, and also similarly that, that SWIFT personnel did as well. Mm -hmm. And we collaborated on that basis um, it was a fascinating exercise to, to, to work around these different experts within SWIFT and get their viewpoint. There's people there that have worked in those markets, in, in FX, in securities, etc. And they, it was eye-opening talking to them you know, because they've been at the coalface. They understand how these markets work. And, and they could easily point out things like, well, well these are inherent issues that, um, uh, that, that are still there to this day. And it, it was absolutely fascinating to get that. And which, which sort of led me to this this, this view of well, it, you know, to to, to tackle this the the cyber threat, you know, you've really got to understand not only the mar the way the market works, but the way the participants work with that market, because one participant performing a certain process or action uh, might be doing it very diligently, has a, have a lot of check and balances, but another participant, you know, a less mature one, the more risk one that's willing to take more risk might have thrown away all the check and balances simply to get ahead of the game for competitive advantage. So, so it's knowing those kinds of things. And I think that those are the areas that um, both market infrastructures, owners, operators of market infrastructures and participants themselves, those are the things to, to, to think about and to look at. Um, it's important to think about cybersecurity, and I work in cybersecurity, and I would obviously advocate that. But I think look at look out from the cybersecurity and look at the way that your business is operating and you'll learn something you'll learn some interesting things some eye-opening things as well yeah it, it sort of comes back to something that you both touched on earlier on um which was reconnaissance it was about uh, the attacker knowing the market and to a certain extent and the, the defenders knowing the market as well and saying okay well there is a, a potential weakness here or there is a practice here which may either represent a, a hindrance to an attacker or a massive opportunity for an attacker um, how how do you see that? I and mean, is is this a race between the defender and the attacker to understand in ever more um, ever more detail the the markets that need to be defended? Uh, I mean, I think it's I mean, it's certainly a race. Uh, and and again, I mean, the report it's about creating. A, I mean, you could look at this report and you could almost say, why kind of publish all these potential weaknesses and risks? But it's a good thing. I mean, because they are doing. I mean. If we wouldn't have a white paper, a public report, this is happening. I mean, people are looking this, they're looking at all opportunities. So I think creating uh, in the community from anywhere in the world, geographically, uh, from very small to highly sophisticated and large institutions, uh, you have to create this awareness that these, uh, and I mean, if you look in the report, I mean, there's these different 
factors that are being taken into account into the assessment. And it kind of all highlights the different elements from technology to like the checks and balances and, and how things are happening, which create risk. So it's really a good way uh, from a macro perspective, but going into the different markets on how can you look at this? But in the end, everybody will have to redo this exercise to kind of on the individual market because that still generalizes across participants, generalizes across some of the market infrastructures. Uh, but I, I think the next step is for everybody to really take this type of approach and understand where are my risks, how, what's my risk appetite, uh, and start uh, looking at it in that way. Mm. I think you mentioned before we switched the microphones on that this concept of security through obscurity uh, is, is quite a dangerous one. If you think that because your attacker doesn't know your defences, you're going to be inherently more safe, it's, it's a bit of a concern, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, I, I think that's, uh, I mean, that was probably old school, uh, a lot of security by obscurity. But I think nowadays, I think understanding, well, considering that, I mean, looking at highly sophisticated crime organizations, uh, nation states, I mean, the means are almost unlimited, very high. I mean, talking about reconnaissance, they, they, there's time. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't need to happen next week. It can take years. So almost assuming that there's transparency in your processes uh, and your technology. I mean, so and that's why if you look at it from a, in the past, it was a lot about prevention. I mean, you, you kind of you, you you had your security and you know the lock was on the door and you couldn't open the door. That was it. Uh, but now, I mean, everybody goes into yeah. You, you you might assume breach, so you need to look in detection. I mean, what's happening when your outer perimeter has been breached and somebody's walking around? And we see that in some of the cases. I mean. Even if they're highly sophisticated, they will still, and they do their reconnaissance and preparation up front. Once they have breached an organization, they sometimes spend weeks to months inside the organization from a logical perspective, trying to understand, well, first of all, doing lateral movement. Within. So again, all of this creates opportunities as well. I mean, so there's still time there, uh, but the, I mean, they are taking their time in a very stealthy, stealthy way uh, to understand what you are doing, how they can, go in between the standard business processes to go as unnoticed as possible. Mm. I agree. I think it's, um, there's, I think there's, a, there's a point here about uh, a maturity and evolution of, of the defender side of, of, of information and cybersecurity and the defense side. As you say, going back you know, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, security was all about protective controls, putting in firewalls and antivirus and the like. Um, and, and clearly that approach isn't sufficient anymore. I still think that you know, in in organisations, there's a temptation to say the problem is almost so big. What what's the biggest bang for my buck? Well, I'm going to put up, I'm going to put in antivirus, I'm going to put in firewalls, I'll put in DLP, I'll put in a bunch of those protective controls because then I can justify to my management, to to my directors, etc., that I've done a great job. However, you know, by doing that, it's it's very unfocused. It's almost like um, going hunting and just randomly shooting and hoping you'll hit something. Um, clearly, the, the the threat is now very sophisticated, and um, although you might catch, you know, uh, a few unsophisticated threats, you're never going to uh, catch the more sophisticated ones. They they will know how to hide and disguise themselves. They will operate in a stealthy way, and the only way to somehow get ahead of that is to is to is to be a bit more focused and to understand well 
what am I, what is the organization really doing? You know, how many people really understand, you know, if, you're, if they're a, a trading organization, a security trading organization, do you really know what your guys are getting up to? Do you really know how your brokers are working and how they're working with their counterparties? Um, because they may be doing things that to them are absolutely natural. For example, uh, extensive use of emails for confirmation of critical details, uh, using fax, which is apparently still very heavily used in, in, in certain parts of the securities uh, uh, market. Because those are just the way they work, they don't see them as a risk. Um, it's only by applying it with a, looking at it with a, a cyber threat lens, an attacker lens, that you, can, that you start to identify potential risks that, that you need to address. But trying to apply it from a high level controls all over the organization and hoping, hitting and hoping that they will f- capture the attack, I think your chances of success are going to be fairly slim. <laughs> Sounds truly terrifying. I, I suppose one, one question is, any of these nuances or complexities in the market, uh, you mentioned facts, we, we talked about instant messenger being used um, to, to trade. Are any of these potential hindrances to attackers as well, uh, where the uh, trader or somebody involved in the system is doing something so counterintuitively daft that it actually presents a hindrance to somebody who's trying to break in and, and possibly make a threat? I think possibly, yes. Yeah. So I think like a lot of these things, it's a, it can cut both ways. That, um, that to some extent, if you have a, you know, a very manual process that's very reliant on people doing certain things at certain times and people are fallible, that you might not get the payout that you're expecting because um, so-and-so actually didn't do their job consistently. And so you were relying on a, a very specific chain of events and something broke in the chain. So I think it can work both ways, but, uh, but it, you, you, you can't rely on that as your defense. You can't rely on your, the obscurity. Uh, we're back to the same point about you know, security for obscurity. The obscurity of your processes to, to protect you. Um, over time, they will find a way. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so looking at the broader picture now, um, are there any particular areas that you think make the financial sector vulnerable? Is it um, simply that it's where the money is and therefore it's a good place to attack? Or is it is it a bit more complex than that? Well, I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier. I mean, for sure, it, it's where the money is. Uh, not only the money, there's a lot of data out there as well. Uh, very important. Um, even if you don't go after the money itself, I mean... Uh, some of these financial markets influence value. Um, and so you, you can even generate value money uh, by just influencing a market, uh, on the stock market, for example. I mean, uh, so, so, uh, so that's the only thing. But I think the other area, it's, I, I think, an, an industry which is a lot driven by IT. Um, so again, we're talking about cyber, IT, logical security, information security. So uh, as I was mentioning earlier, if you're in the consumer business, I mean, it's different. So uh, it's a it's an interconnected world. So a lot of relationships, uh, which all create opportunities. Um, uh, so I, I think there's a lot of elements. Um, the complexity. I, I mean, we, we were just discussing it. I think the complexity. I think is a hindrance, but it's it allows to find weaknesses or um, abuse somebody perhaps not doing it absolutely correctly as well. Um, so I think it's a lot of elements that uh, will always make this an attractive. I mean, you can go, again, just think about the money if you go back hundreds of years. I mean, banks, bank robberies. I mean, there's the, most of the movies are, a lot of movies are made around them. Um, so if you talk about crime, 
I, I think you will, it will you will always see it in the financial industry. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's um, you know it's it, it, it it's not physical anymore. So you know if it's always going to be it's going to be attractive. It's going to become it's never going to become less attractive. It's becoming more attractive because um, you know if you were to attack a manuf manufacturing industry. You know, trying to steal physical stuff is hard. You know, you, you got to have somewhere to, to to move it to, to store it, to fence it, etc. Whereas, in in financial services, it's electronic, it's information. It, it you know, the, you use that to transfer value, to extract value, and that value can be instantly wired around the world, and that's why it's attractive because you 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 know you're trying to extract money, but money is just one asset. It, it's uh, it's you, you can extract value very quickly um, and, and, and cover your traces very quickly and get away with it. You know, whereas if you attacked physical manufacturing, et cetera, you, you, you might be caught with the physical goods, in which case you're caught bang to rights. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing as well is you're not necessarily trying to get away with money. Um, if you can disrupt a market or if you yeah. can create a disruption, you can achieve other ends as well. Um, yeah, and that might be by taking a bet against a position or it might be something more sinister than that. So. It's it's interesting to look at it from the perspective of what is the attacker potentially trying to achieve. Hmm. That's I think for uh, an area, you know, so it's definitely a rich area for, for for investigation later. Is is this money is not the only objective. It, it is um, especially when you consider potentially nation states. Is are they after something else? A disruption to a to another country's economy or another region's economy. Um, uh, whether that's bringing down the um, the value of their stock markets or simply disrupting the critical flow of, of, of money around the world, um, there are other aims and objectives out there. I guess there's also the issue of unintended consequences as well. Probably getting a little bit further down, too far down the rabbit hole with that. But um, you know, where uh, an attacker might be trying to achieve one thing and ends up achieving something else entirely. Is that? Uh, have you seen examples of that at all? It's a bit, I guess it's a bit like collateral damage. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking on uh, what we were discussing. It's, I, I do believe in, in trying to solve this problem is, I mean, a lot of learnings have been done in the physical world. Uh, and I mean, sometimes when I look at this problem, I, I think taking some of the techniques that come out of the physical world and translating them to cyber, uh, I mean, there's a lot of help in there. I mean, all of these things that exist, I mean, like prevention, detection, uh, response uh, exist in the physical world. So I sometimes, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I believe in the logical world, if the industry, governments, the world would look at it as a physical thing and understand the seriousness of it, th there are techniques where you can really start. I mean, I mean, we, we will, we can, we will fin win this war uh, like it was in the past. I mean, it, it's really about just starting to think in a different way uh, and then, I mean, coming back to uh, the collateral damage. I mean, yeah, sometimes the intent might be indeed to steal a bit of money, but it could the the, the consequence could be, uh, and then you get about communication could be market disruption. I mean, it could be, yeah, I mean, banks could go bankrupt, um, which might not be the intention. Um, so th there are certainly areas where they will focus on one thing and like. In a physical war, there would be collateral damage on something else. So, yeah. hmm. That's an interesting point about sort of applying lessons learned, experiences from from the physical security realm. It's um, 
in some in some respects, when you when you think of security, and you look at it from a physical perspective, it, it it's more obvious what the issue is. You know, you've got gold or you've got some other very valuable physical asset. It, it, it's intuitively you know you have to protect it, and you can think about who can get to it, etc. I think when when you're dealing with something that's a bit more esoteric, like in in effect information access to systems, etc. Almost people find it intuitively harder to to understand how to protect it and, and and even to consider it an asset. So it's always bringing it back to you know what is it that's critical? What what are the things that you're trying to protect? How can they? How can people get to them? There's a phrase in in the physical world that, that I've come across where people say, "Who can touch the bomb?" So you transfer that to the logical world of like, "Who can touch that asset? Who can touch the bomb and, and break it or set it off?" That's what is keeping that kind of focus and not. Um, getting caught up is sometimes in the complexities of of of, uh, of informations in all ways. Understanding what what are your what are your real crown jewel assets and and how they can be manipulated. If you do that, that's great start. Basically, fantastic. So, final final thoughts on this, and I think you've you've actually summarised the position pretty well there. But final thoughts. Um, uh, what advice would you have for specific markets? Um, Possibly the general financial community and, and maybe the public as well. And yeah, if I'm if I was a layperson listening to this, I'd be slightly terrified. I'd be looking to stuff my money in a mattress. It's um, I think it is about it's it's awareness and understanding. You know, um, start start from understanding where you, you how you work and what your weak points are. In a way, it's it's the cybersecurity uh, vulnerabilities and and and, and that angle. Yes, that's important to understand, but it's the context of knowing, well, how are we exposed to that um, and our ways of working. Start from that point and, and collaboration. You can't do it on your own. It, it, it requires, you know, cybersecurity from, from a cybersecurity point of view, those, those cybersecurity experts need to work with the front, front to back office in a financial organization to really understand what they're doing. You know, it's, it's, it's like IT people really need to understand what the business actually want rather than give them something that actually doesn't meet their need. And cybersecurity is the same. You've got to really understand what your business is doing in order to have half a chance of protecting it. Because if you don't, you'll just apply a bunch of controls that are well-meaning but don't act- aren't actually effective. I totally agree. I think the, the collaboration with the business side from a cyber IT security perspective is crucial. I mean, if you think a simple example as uh, phishing emails, I mean, uh, you, you can deploy a lot of technology to try to stop phishing uh, or malware being distributed. But the best person to look at an email and see is it real or is it phishing is the, the person receiving it. I mean, these are the people that really see the context and, and can make the link. So, so I think making that business link is really where the cyber IT security people need to work together with the business. I think on the collaboration front, uh, linking to that is also information sharing. I think for the industry, I, I mean, this is a global, I mean, sharing, I think, again, hiding information and, and using it as a competitive advantage. I mean, and I think it has evolved a lot. I mean, you see really this disappearing in the industry. Uh, but I think for all markets, uh, all, all areas of financial services, I mean, collaborating, information sharing is crucial because the criminals do the same thing. I mean, it's not that they work on their own. They share, they have their own communities. Uh, so from a defense perspective, exactly the same thing needs to happen. Marvellous. Well, thank you both very much. Any final observations? Well, I mean, from my side, I think uh, 
uh, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me uh, uh, for this uh, podcast. Uh, and and I, I think as we, I hope we did a bit here, it's to create this, this awareness. I, I mean, from a SWIFT perspective, I mean, we are ready uh, to, to embark on uh, the next months and years uh, to make the industry better. Uh, and we're looking forward to collaborate with the industry and with our institutions uh, to, to, to win this battle. I think it's uh, I'd echo that, and um, and so you know it's it's this was about raising awareness, and and it is about collaboration and working together because that's the only way to 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 try and keep up with the threat is 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 to take that collaborative approach and work together to to defend against it. Mm-hmm. Marvelous. Well, Carol, Sue, many thanks for your thoughts, um, and many Thank thanks you. for listening to the Intelligence Download. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes or Podbean or your preferred podcast client.